0: The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit w2mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.
1: And welcome once again, guys. This is Woo Reacts, and tonight Woo Reacts to the 2017 edition of WWE Hell in a Cell.
0: Ow. Yeah, if you're going to do it, you have to do the gravel without hurting yourself. It's Hell in a Cell. See? Unfortunately, no. un-
1: unfortunately but, that's the wrong McMahon in tonight's case.
0: At well, moment, yeah, but he was there in spirit and possibly in production. Exactly. <laughs>
1: As always, I am your host, Patrick Tessa, and joining me also, as always, Mr. Harry Broadhurst, and you know, for not liking a yearly gimmick pay-per-view like you do, and I know you do, and I'm kind of iffy, but I want to say that for tonight, I think they kind of did the match justice for its 20th anniversary.
0: Well, the opener certainly did. I... I, uh... We'll get to the main event in due time because it's one of those ones that's going to stick in your craw one way or another. It's There are a lot of people who are going to have certain feelings about it due to the sheer length of it, and we'll talk about that when we get there. There's also a lot of people that are going to have issues with of, with it due to the booking of it as well, and we'll talk about that too. We've got a jam-packed show to get to, Patrick, though, so let's get started. What do you say? Yeah, um, what What are we a presentation of before we get started, though?
1: I was I was I was I was trying to get there. We are, as always, a presentation of the W two N network. You can find all kinds of reviews. Wow, I just blinked for a second. You can find all kinds of reviews, including our most recent regular episode of Wrestling Unwrapped, covering the match that celebrated its twentieth anniversary this past Thursday in. WWE Hell in a Cell as we cover WWE Bad Blood in your house. You can find find the brand new but...
0: Not to be be a stickler, but it was WWF Bad Blood.
1: Oh, shut up. You can also find the brand new college football top 25 rankings after yesterday's ungodly massacre that was my predictions team. Screw you, Utah. Hey, I'm I'm all over
0: that top 25, too. I'd have the Big Ten blurbs. I'm all over W2M, man. In addition, you can also find our newest written reviews, which we promise to get back to eventually.
1: The year 2020.
0: That, that's the long-standing joke on these episodes. No, seriously. Um... Patrick and I are actually hoping to set aside a day this week in order to work on St. Valentine's Day Massacre 1999 for our written reviews. We'll let you guys know how that progresses this Sunday when we return to our regular spot right here on Wrestling Unwrapped. Bang bang.
1: And you can find all of that and more on the one and only W2Mnet.com. You can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash wrestlingunwrapped. You can also find us on Twitter at WU Off The Shelf, based on the original name of this
0: podcast. Whoopsie. I think this episode is going up on 411 Mania, too.
1: It is also up on 411 Mania, and not only that, it's also up on last word on prowrestling.com. So thank you to those, guys. I do apologize for... Uh, let's call a spade a spade here, forgetting. Sorry. So let's get to it. the longest three-hour pay-per-view in the network era. I'm almost certain of it. we got to start somewhere. It's the one night that the WWE goes to hell. This is Woo reacts to hell in a cell. And kicking okay. things off was the kickoff.
0: As hey, before before we kick things off, I have I feel the need to to comment on your your statement there about the one night that the WWE goes to hell intentionally.
1: Oh, shut up!
0: <laughs> you know,
1: featuring the kickoff match of W G T T T World's Greatest Tag Team Two Point
0: uh, I would just go with WGTT two point
1: or almost American Alpha. <laughs> <laughs> Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin taking on the hype Bros of Zack Ryder and Mojo Rawley. And I'll, 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 just, I'll just put it this way: damn, Chad Gable so damn good, and he's got such a damn good tag team partner. And why are they being relegated to being stuck with the Hypros? Because, especially a soon-to-be-feuding Hypros, as once again, their disagreements get the better of them, enabling Gable and Benjamin, that is the actual name, they don't have an actual name thus far, might change soon, Uh, to pick up the win in about 10 minutes, And basically, this whole match, the match was secondary. The whole thing was to kind of continue the uh, disagreements that Ryder and Mojo are having, and I'm almost wondering how long until this comes to a head. Do we get maybe a tag team Survivor Series match next month? Or, you know, it's kind of how much longer can they really be having these disagreements that's now costing them matches?
0: Well, I'm going to be the first person to admit that I cannot comment on the match itself because, unfortunately, I'm on the 360, and my 360 had some streaming issues with the network during the pre-show. Thankfully, during the pay-per-view, no such problems. Unfortunately, said streaming issues that I had during the pre-show caused me to miss the vast majority of this contest. I, turned in, I got it working again just in time to see the finish with the, uh, the power bomb hooking clothesline heart attack kind of gimmick thing by WGTT. WGTT 2.0, uh, but that's all, folks. All right, moving on. Um, as far as the uh, the turning of the hype bros against each other goes, if there is going to be a Survivor Series tag team match Raw versus SmackDown, it would make sense to happen there. If there's not, then I would imagine sometime in the upcoming weeks on SmackDown Live on Tuesday. Could it go as
1: far as maybe SmackDown Live presents Halloween Havoc?
0: Um... I don't know where you're getting the idea. Oh, you mean the live the live SmackDown on Halloween night this year? I'm going to
1: keep calling it that, whether or not they actually make it a thing. They made Sin City SmackDown a thing. They can make Halloween Havoc happen.
0: Wait, what's today's date?
1: Uh, for me, the 8th. For you, the 9th.
0: Okay, so 7, 8, 9, 16. Halloween's on a Wednesday, sir
1: on a Tuesday.
0: Are you sure about that one?
1: Yes, because yeah. Tuesday would be the 10th. Yeah,
0: t- Tuesday would be the three weeks time. would be the 31st. Yeah, three weeks. You're right. Okay. My math got a little screwed up there. All right. Um, I don't think it'll happen, but at the same time, we do have Starcade to possibly look forward to. Maybe. Possibly. Anyway. Potentially.
1: Yeah. We hope. Anyway. So that about, you know, wraps that up, and you get uh, kind of a surprising finish to the kickoff show in that the cell starts lowering. We're kicking things off with a Hell in a Cell match, and in this case, the most hype match you could ever possibly have, Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon are taking off the pay-per-view. Obviously not. So it is for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships... The <clears throat> final chapter, it is the New Day defending their belts against the Usos. Holy hell. <laughs> this was not fun in games. This was only the third, technically, tag team Hell in a Cell match. Arguably the fourth. And, Yeah wow, they beat the ever-loving hell out of each other and stole the show to start
0: the show. Yeah, whoever in SmackDown Creative's decision it was to put the format for this show together and have this match open, you're a damn moron. Because you instantly killed the crowd right here and there. There was nothing on the front half of the show that was going to live up to this. These guys managed to make the crowd not care about most of the AJ Styles match. Think about that for a second. They didn't care about an AJ Styles match. They, they sat on their hands for most of the match, for most of the triple because threat. Because knew who was winning. See, I disagree, because I don't think anybody had Corbin walking out. I had Styles retaining, pinning... Because uh, I figured Dillinger was going to be in the match. I had Styles retaining, pinning Dillinger.
1: Yeah, you might be the only person I know that actually had Styles
0: taking it. I know there Seriously. were a bunch of people in the predictions thing that picked Styles, but anyways, moving on, back to the uh, Hell in a Cell match at hand here. Yeah, um, I don't know if it's the greatest Hell in a Cell match, but I think it's certainly in the top five.
1: Uh,
0: to me, it Any doesn't. Pick- it's not quite to the level of Cactus Jack and Triple H. It's, I would say, probably as good as Taker and Mankind, if not as historically important. I would put it at the top ten, but
1: I don't know that I would even say it's the best one
0: tonight. Uh, I would certainly say it's the best one tonight. I think the main event tonight gets the added benefit of the finish working out so well because for a large portion of the main event tonight, I found myself disinterested. We'll get there.
1: Um, But, I mean, in terms of this match, this was brutal, and this was just incredible. All four guys that were in here, which, by the way, Kofi was the one who was not in for the new day, and B.U.S.O. did not have to have a third. I won't get into the names, Harry, so shut up. Um, But... They so just Jimmy so James so uh, uh, Xavier Woods and Biggie just beat the ever hell out of each other. My question is, why the hell are there so many Nintendo sticks under the ring? They're actually close to a dozen, including several multicolored ones in the new day style, which I found. Uh, I I actually thought that it added a little bit because it's like, oh, yeah, you know, the New Day are fun and joyous and, and, you know, happy-go-lucky guys, but when it gets down to it, they'll still beat the hell out of you. And at one point, Xavier trapped (laughs) Uso in the corner of the cell with several of the candlesticks, which I did not expect, and I loved it when when he actually pulled that. Um, too bad it didn't last too long because one of the candlesticks popped out. But this felt like a final chapter match. It goes about 22 minutes, but this actually felt like a final chapter match. The one issue I had was the crowd chanting, This is awesome, less than five minutes in. This match was awesome, not that quick.
0: I mean, it was on from their word go in this match, though. And I think that was the interesting part about it, is they made nail bones about it here. One of the very first spots in the entire match was the tandem-assisted fish drop with the chain. The very
1: first spot of the match was everyone going out and grabbing weapons,
0: too. Including but, yeah, but, grabbing but,
1: that chain, which even the commentators were like, what the hell?
0: It's a WWE ring. You never know what's under there, man. Apparently. If if years of being a wrestling fan have taught me anything, if you need something, look under a WWE ring and you'll probably find it.
1: MacGyver calls WWE when he needs something to check under the ring.
0: Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just ignore that MacGyver joke. Am I wrong? Depends. Old school MacGyver or new current edition? MacGyver. I oh,
1: know. Screw new MacGyver.
0: Hmm? Screw
1: new MacGyver.
0: I like I like the new MacGyver TV series. Anyways, anyway, we're getting yeah, we're getting off track here. Let's get back on to the subject at hand the because these things run long enough as it is. Um. In the uh... end. I would thing. definitely say that these guys lived up to the legacy created in the first tag team Hell in a Cell match because I thought that that one was very good too. Even if you didn't, even if it was necessary a foregone conclusion as to who was going to win that one, I thought the Legacy versus DX one was really good actually. Other than the fact that the finish was a foregone conclusion,
1: that wasn't the first one.
0: Well, not counting the tag match that aired on Raw, and that was a handicap match, not a tag match.
1: Oh, what the hell! It was three on two. It was a tag match.
0: That's a handicap match, sir. Anyway, semantics aside, I definitely think that it lived up to the uh, it it lived up to the uh the legacy versus the X One, if not surpassing it. I think.
1: I yeah, I would dare say maybe this wasn't as brutal as the handicap uh, tag team match, the DX versus the McMahon's and Big Show, but that for the longest time, was one of my favorites, and I would dare say that it passed that by. This was just four guys going out there, balls to the wall, and trying to prove who the better team was. In the end, it ends up being the Usos, which, you know, we got this last year with Charlotte and Sasha constantly trading off the belts, mostly because at the time the women's roster was pretty thin. We're kind of in that situation now where the Usos in the New Day, well, now they're done. So in my head, I've got to think, Gable and Benjamin next? Try that again. I, I've got to think that, you know, if this was the quote-unquote final chapter, at least for now, for the New Day and the Usos, Gable and Benjamin next.
0: Well, that's the prediction that I made on the roundtable for uh, the, the W2M Network roundtable that you can find over on W on w 2 mnetcom dot com. Fair point. I picked I, I picked I picked I picked the Usos in this match because I figured the Usos had more babyface teams as challengers lined up that uh that could work for them rather than having to figure out who are going to be the new heel contenders for the. Uh, for the New Day. Honestly, based on what we saw tonight and the uh, the Fashion Police, I wouldn't be surprised to see an Ascension face one.
1: I could also see another potential pe- team, but that'll be down the line. Uh, so our next contest, speaking of down, <clears throat> Randy Orton and Rusev, they're finally going to have an actual match this time. <sighs> Why are they having an actual match this time? Um, I didn't think this match was bad but it was slow, and yes, at times it was boring. And then great finish, almost. Randy Orton ends up hitting an RKO out of nowhere after getting out of the accolade. Well, okay, thwarting Russo's attempts to put on the accolade. And Randy Orton ends up being the winner again. I don't think it was that bad of a match slow, yes, but this was semi-motivated Randy Orton and who apparently also used Brock Lesnar's
0: barber. (laughs) Is Randy sleeping with somebody in creative? Like, what point did he have winning this match? Do you want me to answer that? Oh, I didn't know. Oh, so muscular, damn it. That's two. Actually, three, technically, for keeping track. But anyway. Two. Um, <laughs> you made me lose my train of thought, you dick. All right. Why did oh. you win? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the interesting thing for me to come out of this match is the look on Rusev's face as he was walking away from the ring and what's Rusev going to do to kind of redeem himself. I honestly think a double turn would do both of these guys good because a lot of the crowd wants to cheer for Rusev, and I think there's a very strong portion of the crowd that does not want to cheer for Randy. And by majority,
1: you mean everyone.
0: Well, you know. That's two. Yeah, well, that's kind of what we do on this show, Patrick. Kind of what we do.
1: Plug other people's podcasts. Very good.
0: That'll bust from seats. It's and, still real to us, damn it. Alright, moving on.
1: I I mean, what what Seriously, I give mean, me a logical he, reason why Randy won this match. I can't. I really can't. There's no reason why. Randy should have won this, and especially with the fact that you could have had Aiden English run in on a damn match and cost Orton. He was nowhere to be seen except for the kickoff show. Even though he's kind of, you know, a part of this whole thing, especially with the RKO hashtag out of nowhere that he ate on Rusev Day, which, by the way, was
0: today also Rusev Day? Because he kept
1: acting like it was.
0: It's always Rusev Day, Patrick. You should know that by now. Come on.
1: I think if you're Rusev, it's always Lana Day.
0: All right, that's fair, actually. That's a fair point. Fair point.
1: Yeah, because once again, Rusev gets to go
0: home and watch to that. Hey, if you're going home to that, you're never a loser.
1: If you're facing Randy Orton, though, you're always a loser. Ask Bray. Ask Cena a tie. All right, anyway. Ask Dolph. <coughs> oh, wait. Uh, anyway, so, yeah. Orton picks up the win for reasons. Our next contest is for the United States Championship. It is AJ Styles putting the belt up against Baron Corbin and Ty Dillinger. And the so one thing I didn't mention with the kickoff is Ty Dillinger actually convinced, in the most ungodly of ways, Daniel Bryan to add him to the United States Championship match to make it a triple threat. As soon as I saw this, I knew what was going to happen, and sure enough, da it happened. Ty ends up being the one to eat the pinfall. <sighs> And Baron Corbin ends up picking up the victory to win his very first championship in his WWE career, becoming the U United States champion. Now, you mentioned the crowd being kind of flat for this. I didn't really think so at times. Namely, whenever Baron Corbin wasn't involved. I felt like when it was Dillinger versus AJ... I thought the crowd was getting into it. And it felt like... And not to mention the fact that just the small bits that those two had, man, they work well together. Because that's the kind of match I would want to see. I almost felt bad that Baron Corbin was in the damn match, and of course he wins the damn match. Um, Ty ends up in the pinfall after a phenomenal forearm, and then Baron Corbin does not just kick AJ out of the ring, he hoofs AJ out of the ring. Because Ow! I didn't think this was that bad of a match, although it definitely suffered from WWE's booking of the triple threat match, which is one-on-one, someone outside. They switch in, someone goes out. One-on-one, blah-blah-blah, and we go around and around and around until the very end when you had all three guys. But... Be that as it may, man, I wish it was Ty versus AJ. What do you
0: have against Corbin? Like, I don't get what everybody's beef with Corbin is. I actually really enjoy his work. I enjoy his work,
1: I do, but I think it was just the fact that seeing what we saw, and we seeing seen what I saw with Ty and AJ. I thought those two meshed really well. Ty didn't bad with Corbin. AJ and Corbin, to me, not great. I thought the best pairing in this was Ty and AJ, and thereby that leaves Corbin the odd man out.
0: Okay, but if you're going to have an odd man out situation, don't blame it on Corbin. Blame it on creative for putting the match together. Because I think Styles and Corbin one-on-one would have been very entertaining without needing, to pigeonhole Cor- without needing to pigeonhole Dillinger into this match. If you wanted to do Corbin and Dillinger for the title, let Corbin beat Styles for the belt tonight and then do the Corbin-Dillinger match down the road for the belt since Dillinger has a ready made clause for a title shot since he beat Corbin on SmackDown on Tuesday.
1: But I don't want Corbin and Dillinger. I want AJ and Dillinger.
0: We already got AJ and Dillinger on SmackDown twice. And it was great. You're just hating on Corbin. No,
1: uh, okay, uh, yeah, it does. Uh, okay, yeah, it does sound a
0: lot like that. I plus Corbin's new I, theme song is awesome.
1: Okay, I couldn't understand it.
0: I'll send it to you once we finish the show. I think oh, you'll like it. I
1: can I can YouTube it but I well, just I couldn't understand what was being said.
0: That's, 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 that's what my, I'm saying. I will send you the full link to the full version of the song once we get off of the show.
1: All right, fine. Jeez. Mm. So, congrats to, I almost said Darren Corbin, damn it. Congrats well, to Darren well, let's
0: talk Well, let's talk about what happened on Talking Smack here because apparently we're going to have the one-on-one rematch between Styles and Corbin on SmackDown Tuesday night.
1: I don't think they on this like what happened the last time AJ lost the title, even though that, well, that one actually kind of was accidental.
0: Well, that depends if Chris Jericho shows up or not. If Chris Jericho shows up, we'll know the fix is in.
1: Yeah, we'll see. Um, but, I mean, here, here's the thing. Most likely, Corbin wins. So, does that move AJ up potentially? Or are we talking? And, and maybe we're talking about Ty and Corbin for a little bit. What, what do you What do you think happens
0: here? Uh, well, we were talking about this in the wrestling chat over on uh, Facebook here, the W two m wrestling chat. It's the the for the staff, for the, the writers, the wrestling site part of the page and stuff. And I mentioned the fact that I'm almost thinking that if, not, that if Mahal retains you, that moves styles up to Mahal as the next challenger. And I got to think that that had something to do with them wanting to at least maybe try to get him in the ring with somebody c- capable of working a style that Mahal is competent working rather than having to work that strike-based style like he's having to work with Nakamura. So slow and boring. Even though AJ is yes. slow and boring. Yeah, something like that. Sounds about right. Oh,
1: there we go. Speaking of slow and boring, our next contest is for the SmackDown Live Women's Championship. It is Natalia versus Charlotte Flair. Has every match that wasn't inside of a cell had a very extended period of somebody having a rest hold? because that happened here quite a bit
0: (sighs) I wanted to care about this match I really did you're not alone like these two had a cracker in NXT at a takeover not 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 any subtitle takeover, just takeover. The one that was just called Takeover. It was for the vacant NXT women's title that M- that Paige had retained at a rival before she went up to the main roster and beat AJ Lee for the, women's t- for the Divas title on her first night on the roster. So they vacated the NXT title, and then these two were the finals of the NXT titles tournament, and they had a match on NXT Takeover before they started giving it fancy-dancy subtitles such as
1: mm-hmm.
0: War Games and
1: that also, ironically, shoehorned in pretty much the exact same damn storyline we got for this one that is complete BS. Being the whole hearts versus flares thing. There's never been a thing with the hearts and the flares. The only thing you really had was when Bret Hart beat Ric Flair back in '92 for his first WWF Championship. That's not a thing. They're trying to shoehorn it.
0: Technically speaking, they had a thing in WCW as well. I mean, Flair was Bret's first match in WCW. Sold out
1: in 1998. It still doesn't make
0: this a thing. No, I agree with you. I don't think that there's as much history between the two families as they, the WWE would like you to believe that there is. But at the same time, it gives another cute little biographical story to attach to the uh, video package. But back to the match itself. Here, I wanted so badly to care about this match here because I think Natalia's done very well with the women's title, and I think Charlotte's been one of the better workers in the women's division all year. I just didn't. It didn't connect with me at all. And that finish is just, why? Why do all that inside of the match and then have that finish? Like, I get the idea that they want to continue the feud between these two ladies, and I'm okay with that. But at the same time, you could have Natty win dirty and still be able to continue the feud between these two. You don't need to go the route of Natty getting herself intentionally disqualified. Especially when the referee's count was already at six. Have them go to a double count out if you want to extend the feud to another pay-per-view or another special main event level Smackdown, or God forbid if you decide to air the Starcade house show as an actual network special.
1: Which, seriously, if you're charging $600 for the first three rows of seats, you damn well better be televising that.
0: Not to mention, it's a Double Steel Cage main event.
1: Where a lot of people are thinking Charlotte wins the belt because there's no outside issues there.
0: But that's... Not till next month. That being said, credit to Charlotte for her selling of the knee, but at the same time, the finish does leave a sour taste in your mouth due to the qualification. I can't even give Charlotte credit to
1: selling her knee. I can't. Because guess what? If your knee hurts that bad, you're not going for a moonsault to the floor. It's a work you're the one talking about giving credit to Charlotte selling her knee.
0: She sold her knee getting up to the top rope. Adrenaline, it makes you do crazy things. Ask Shane McMahon, he'll tell you.
1: Sure, upsetting. But to me, a lot of this match was slow and boring, and to me, maybe not going through the motions, but not getting anywhere until, you know, the very final end of it. And... Especially with the fact that you still have the realization of, hey, maybe there's the cash in, but you have Natalia beating the hell out of Charlotte when in reality it should have been the other way around, you would think because you you know' it's, it's the whole thing is you know that the when, when's the champion at their most vulnerable, and just to me. The match, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the match. And then just the ending was really weird.
0: <sighs> right. Yeah, here's the thing, though. Traditionally, SmackDown pay-per-views usually have at least one or two endings that make you think, why the hell did they do that? We've already gotten our two endings that make you think, why the hell did they do that? And then we get to our next match, and it's really, why the King, hell did they do that. Our final title match of the evening. Wait, wait, wait. Before we get to that match, though, there is one other thing to discuss of importance in here.
1: Oh, was it here? Yes. Okay. Uh, the Return of the Fashion Files. Woo! How is something so stupid so damn entertaining? Seriously. I know, I know the credibility of the Ascension is completely just dead. But you know what? They are entertaining me more in the fashion files than they ever
0: did. Um, so
1: they found something.
0: Would you like to know my thoughts on the credibility of the Ascension? I actually think they're more credible now than they were. Really? Oh, yeah, because I'm actually entertained and invested in them now. Oh, okay. This is the first time in my life I have ever found the Ascension entertaining.
1: Especially with Connor breaking out the uh, Brother Jack's dude mustache.
0: (laughs) Carry on with your description. Am I wrong? Carry on with your description of the segment. I will give my opinion on it once you're done.
1: I mean, there's not really much that you can really talk about here.
0: It's the fact that
1: uh, the the fashion police, obviously Brazango, Fabriz, Tyler Breeze and Fandango, uh, you know, case closed and everything and the and they have a box for their case, to be, and then the Ascension come and bring them a case. <laughs> And it's a poster of themselves that says, "We want to be your friend. <laughs> and I'm trying to remember. Oh, and then they have a interesting briefcase that is left <laughs> after they throw the ascension out, and it's apparently a new case, new fashion file case, not just new briefcase. And it's, it leads to next week we get pulp fashion.
0: <laughs> it's not just a briefcase. It's a new case. Yes it is. <laughs> and apparently Randy Orton is allergic to sleep. Um, Horton wasn't the one that I found funny on the board tonight. Really? There was a straight-up shot at Raven on that board tonight. (laughs) There was only
1: one that I couldn't see, and it was the one on the lowest, on the lower right-hand side, the farthest right and the lowest. And I know it said, what year is it, but I could not tell that picture. But other than that, (laughs) that's part of the reason why you watch this. What jokes are they going to crack? Which, by the way, the Orton joke, which is weird because he actually had a hoodie, I think, that had sleeves tonight. Or no, it didn't. But Orton would be allergic to pants. But kayo is allergic to sleeves.
0: Um, Orton would be allergic to putting reseb over. Oh, it got too real on here. Anyway. Um, As far as the segment itself goes, um, I'll go back to saying what I said while we were discussing this in the uh, Facebook chat there. Um, I actually care about the Ascension. I don't think I've ever uttered those words before. That is verbatim what I said inside of the chat there as I was watching this because I actually felt bad for the Ascension. Because they were thrown out of the (laughs) box No, because they just want friends, man. It's all about the power of friendship. I bet Daniel Bryan would be their friend.
1: I mean, they do have the beards.
0: Anyway. I still think... I still think we're looking at the authors of pain eventually for The Ascension, although... Or not for The Ascension, for... uh, for the fashion police, but a lot of that I'll have to wait due to everything that's going on down in other places, and I won't go into specifics here. Because somebody in
1: the Facebook chat had to spoil the tapings, and that's all I'll say. Jerk. Sure. Wait, what now? I'm saying because somebody had to spoil the tapings where a certain announcement was made, then Triple H spoiled it himself.
0: Yeah, I wasn't happy about the fact that they gave it away during the uh inside of the Facebook chat either, Glen
1: Anyway. So speaking of being walked down <laughs> WWE title time. You're yeah. a winner
0: and new WW Oh wait, that didn't happen? What the f- as ginder
1: ma Okay.
0: That was racist.
1: I was laughing. I said, ha, 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 Paul.
0: Oh. Nope, that was racist. I was laughing. Move on.
1: Defensive Championship against Shinsuke Nakamura. And you know what, quite frankly, with all the racist comments that Jinder had been making? Why? Dude. Why?
0: Why? 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 why it turns out that wrestlemania 19 booking is still in effect in this company racist wins the racist wins okay the guy who's being portrayed as the guy who's being portrayed as the fans being racist against him while being racist against the other guy wins. i should be more specific This was I have
1: a copy of the Summer match. I this yeah, match.
0: I have I have nothing nice to say about this match. I'd rather just move on. Uh,
1: we can't. We can't because of how it ends.
0: Uh no, we can because we're going to talk about it later, I'm sure. We can't because of how it ends. Because
1: Jinder wins queen. This is the end of Nakamura in the WWE title hunt for now.
0: Who the until, hell is next? Until he wins the Royal Rumble.
1: But who the hell is next? AJ? It's got to be AJ. Or maybe Bobby?
0: But not too early for Bobby. I'm thinking AJ.
1: It's too early for Bobby, but reminder, your
0: WWE champion is Jinder Mahal. Alright, that's a valid point actually. But I think Bobby's not done with his current situation we'll find out next.
1: Yeah. I I was it's this, this one that one that one pissed me off.
0: Speaking of being pissed off, <clears throat> yeah, we'll talk about uh we'll talk more about this contest a little bit later. At least one of us will. Dun dun dun.
1: Yeah, you. Um, all right. So our next contest our technically sub-main event, Bobby Roode versus Dolph Ziggler. First off, was I the only one that was kind of expecting a double glorious entrance?
0: I didn't. I I fully expected the R-Truth treatment that we got for Ziggler with the music cutting out. Actually, I didn't even expect the music to play at all. I was a little bit surprised when it did. But I expected the spotlight walk down the ramp from Ziggler's entrance.
1: So, the Batista entrance?
0: Yeah, because of the fact that that's kind of been how he's been playing up here. The fact is, is he doesn't need this grandiose entrance in order to prove the fact that he's the best wrestler in the company. And then he loses. Well, eventually the bell rings.
1: He used to be one of the best wrestlers in the company.
0: When, he when, he's, when he's motivated, he still is.
1: Like I said, when he gives a damn.
0: Yeah, I think the problem is is the fact that he's seeing the writing on the roll for the end of his contract, and, yeah, we're not going to get anything of Dustin any inside sustenance out of Ziggler, I'm guessing, anytime soon. I believe it's soon.
1: Like, really soon, if I'm not mistaken with him. But be that as it may, um, yet another match where somebody just has an endless rest hold. In this case, Dolph Ziggler and the damn sleeper. This was 11 and a half minutes. He actually spent close to three of it with a sleeper. And it drove me nuts. Because Why? You know, and it's like, oh, yeah, I'm the best wrestler. I don't need a big grain entrance, and then you do that. <sighs> I used to be a Dolph Ziggler fan. I really did. But now, not anymore. I'm just, I'm sick of seeing him, and I just, I, he can leave tomorrow, and I would not shed a tear. It's just, meh.
0: Let's talk about the finish with the multiple roll-up reversals, and then after Reed stands tall by grabbing the tights, Ziggler gets his heat back after the match by hitting the zigzag on Reed. Um, Yeah, not the most inauspicious debut for Reed on pay-per-view, I would say. He has to use tights in order to pick up a cheap pinfall victory and then get laid out after the match immediately. But this is the guy that you're touting as the newest, biggest free agent on SmackDown and that he's going to be the one that can do something to change the... Yeah, this is things like this is why people don't take call-ups. Things like this is why people don't take call-ups from NXT to SmackDown seriously. Look at what they've done to Nakamura. Look at what they've done with Rude here. Now, I'm willing to give them a shot with Rude, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Ziggler's so checked out that he really doesn't care what happens. But at the same time, if you know that Victor's in that mind frame, maybe pairing him with Rude's not the best idea if you want to get Rude over with your fan base.
1: At the same time, I don't think it's fair how you're doing how what, what you just said with Nakamura. While, yeah, he didn't win it, but he just debuted in April, and he's either been at or near the top the entire time. Bobby Roode has been in the mid-card already for the entire time since his debut. Nakamura went almost straight to the top after beating Dolph Ziggler, ironically. So, I don't think it's fair.
0: Agree to disagree here. I think that there's they're, they're not starting Ruud off on the right foot if this is going to be his debut pay-per-view performance. My point. All right, fair enough.
1: So, obviously, though, this has to continue pretty much considering, as we mentioned, Bobby Roode gets a win via the type. His first hit attempt going into it, like when they were doing the constant reversals, he didn't use the tights, he used it on the second time, excuse me, he used it on the second time. Dolph tried using the tights both times. So, I think that was one of those inkling of bad guy Bobby Roode, but at the same time, hey, you know, he did it to me, why can't I do it to him? So, All righty. Match number eight on the night, seven on the main show. It is main event time. 38 minutes. Shane McMahon and Kevin Owens. Now, 38 minutes. And the entire... I would say, minute 20 to 38 was awesome. To be fair, the one thing that I think threw everybody off, on my phone, because I was looking at the time when I realized this was going to run long, this match started at 10 to 10, my time. So it would be 10 to 11 year time. And I'm sitting there and looking at it, I'm like, all right, so this goes 15, maybe 20. And I'm talking, bell time was 10 to the hour. I was not expecting this to be 40 minutes, almost. The second longest tell in a cell match of all time. Only the Sixth to go north of a half hour. The first half of this was slow. I'm not going to deny that. I don't think anybody will. I know you won't because I already know what you're going to talk about is the fact that it was almost 40 minutes long. But the second half of this match. They turned it up, and maybe it was a little bit of move, rest, move, rest, but at the same time, those moves are happening on top of the cell. Only the third match, I believe, to ever actually have the participants fighting on top of the cell, the first one being... uh, Cactus Jack and Triple H, the second one being Triple H and Chris Jericho, which ended on top of the cell. This one didn't. But I know you're going to complain that it's long, but after 40 minutes, that ending to me made it worth it. in the fact that first Kevin Owens takes the dive from about halfway up, eerily similar to the one that Rollins and... Oh, I'm sorry, so this was actually the fourth time that they fought on top of the cell. Um,
0: Reminiscent of the Ambrose and Rollins bump. Uh, They never actually made it to the top of the cage, though. They only fought on the side of the cell.
1: No, I could have sworn they started on top of the cell.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Charlotte and Sasha take a bump similar to this off the cage as well? Power bomb. But that was only off the side. That was they definitely did not make it to the top. Oh, it was it wasn't a knockoff, it was just a power bomb by uh Charlotte to Sasha?
1: Yeah, because then uh that's when uh three point were the paramedics and they got uh they got one of the cables caught in
0: Sasha's neck brace. <laughs> Big magic when will you learn? Alright, moving on. Back to the uh Back to the discussion here. Um, I don't even Echo remember piece You know what the sad thing is about the Ambrose Rollins one? The only thing I remember about it is the stupid finish with the hologram and Bray Wyatt. Like, I literally remember none of the match, just the finish. I just remember
1: the dive off. I totally forgot about the hologram until you mentioned it. Uh. But Dean Ambrose looked like an idiot for many matches in a row in that case. Because then he had the DLC match where he looked like an idiot and Sparks
0: got shot in his face. Back to the, uh, back to the match at hand today in regards to this particular Hell in a Cell match here. Um, actually, I thought some of the stuff inside of the ring was okay. Um, I thought the constant trash talking to Shane's kids was hilarious. Kevin's a master with the microphone and even off-microphone when he knows he's in microphone shot. Don't
1: wag your finger at me.
0: He's doing this for you. Um,
1: is he one of the best talkers in the company right now?
0: Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. I don't think there's any question. He might be the best. What are you doing? But anyways, let's go back to the uh, the match itself here, as I was saying. Um, like, some of it I was okay with. Some of what happened inside of the ring. I thought Shane's coast-to-coast looked good, but I thought the uh, the fact that they didn't have Owens kick out of it kind of made Owens look like he should have lost the match there and by proxy kind of made Owens look weak. Because it makes the ref look like a moron, and it makes Owens look like he was going to get beaten by a third-timer. Calling him a part-timer is too generous.
1: But at the same time, you're talking about a part-timer who's out for blood. So, mm. also, there was the fact that I could have sworn that, I would hope accidentally and not, you know, purposely. It looked like Shane tried to put his foot through Kevin Owens' jaw on that coast-to-coast because he was—he seemed pretty snug, and he went a little low on that uh, trash can. And it looked like he kind of kicked up a little bit, and it looked like at one point, like Shane
0: caught him square in the jaw with his foot. Yeah, well, at least he didn't land on his foot like he did test. True. I mean... No, I won't make the joke. I'll be nice. I, no. Anyway, yeah, no, no, no dead test joke. All right, moving on. Um, all, all things considered, though, I thought the turning point in the match was the cannonball into the table.
1: were Shane literally flies? <laughs>
0: huh
1: where Shane literally slides out of the way. but like not even a metaphor. He slid down the table to get out of the way. Which I thought was
0: genius.
1: Yeah. Oh, no, I'm not denying that. I, I loved it because I'm like, how is that? I've never really seen that done before.
0: And would you like to know why there were bolt cutters inside of the cell? Because, of course, there were.
1: I mean, well, okay. Not, why were there bolt cutters? It's, why were there bolt cutters inside of the ring? Once again, MacGyver. <laughs> to me, that's the turning point of the match, which is that I think actually, I think the Cannonball led into that. Uh, to me, the turning point of the match, like where the second half of the match started, which, I mean, if you watch it, it kind of is where the second half started, Shane gets a pair of bolt cutters, and Dan near Mark Henry's it.
0: Oh, I noticed I that, too. He had a hell of a time getting that chain to break, didn't he?
1: He didn't break the chain. It wasn't the chain he was trying to break.
0: <laughs> it was a lock. Well, either way, he had a hell of a time with it. It probably took him three attempts with those bolt cutters. Oh, yeah. Actually, I'd argue more, because
1: I think three of the attempts were on camera. Um. But, yeah, Shane had a hell of a time getting the, getting that lock broken. Eventually, he did, and he did not completely Mark Henry it. Thank God. Um, progress! And so starts the second half of the match, which, hmm, why would they mysteriously add the false count anywhere stipulation to a hell-in-a-cell match?
0: It's, it's almost like somebody's coming off of the top of the cell. Dun-dun-dun.
1: Which, by the way, if you look back to the aforementioned Triple H in Jericho,
0: Hell in a Cell is false count anywhere. You didn't know that
1: had the stipulation.
0: That was changed, actually, after that match happened. There was a rule instituted going forward that all pinfalls inside of Hell in a Cell had to happen inside of the confines of the Ula Ring.
1: Oh be damned, I did not know that. Thank
0: you. Yes, I do remember uh I do remember them talking. I think they mentioned it in the build up towards Triple H and Kevin Nash at Bad Blood three.
1: <sighs>
0: hey, the Dislike the participants as much as you may like to. The match itself is actually not bad. I mean, granted, a lot of smoke and mirrors, but not bad. Only one of the
1: participants. Anyway. Um Yes, so War and Peace, the wrestling match continues. They do end up having quite a lengthy brawl atop of the cell. And this was the point where you and I both had the same feeling. And here's why I'm okay with how long this match was and the booking of this match and everything about that. That's what you want. You wanted those butterflies in your stomach. You wanted that feeling of, oh, good God, you know, what the hell is going to happen? And they hit a handful of wrestling moves, a Russian leg sweep, suplex, you know, a a few different things up top, including, if I'm not mistaken, did KO hit the top of Powerbomb?
0: Yes, on top of the cell.
1: Yes. And the cage doesn't give, thank God but it was one of those things where it just sat in the pit of your stomach of, oh my god, they're going to do this, and they didn't. Boy, did that crowd boo when K.O. starts climbing down, though. Uh, But K.O. ends up being the one to take the fall, and he takes the fall from about halfway up off the side and goes through the Spanish announce table because, of course, and then Shane wants some blood essentially, and wanting to make Kevin Owens pay for his sins, puts KO on the English announce table and climbs back up. And in my head, I'm like, because it worked so well the last time you did this. Similar situation, Shane takes a hell of a fall and KO isn't there. And in what may have made the entire thing worth it, Sami Zayn saves Kevin Owens. And Shane and... Wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa,
0: whoa. Stop. Repeat that.
1: I know. Sami Zayn, of all people, after all of the years of fighting everywhere, including NXT, they have not gotten along a single day of their WWE careers. And yet Sami Zayn is the one that saves Kevin Owens. And not just saves Kevin Owens, drags his ass over, pushes the paramedics out of the way, and gets the referee to count the three so that after almost 40 minutes, the second longest cell match ever, and Kevin Owens barely walks out the winner.
0: So what you're saying is Fight Forever just changed to Fight Together?
1: Or. Friends forever.
0: I like mine better.
1: Hey, friends can disagree though, but and look, damn it. Uh, I, there's no way in hell anybody expected it. Um, Don't even try to tell me you did.
0: Um, you're gonna hate me for saying this, but I'm actually on a you podcast are. talking about the possibility of it happening from earlier in the week.
1: There is no way.
0: If you go back and listen to the SmackDown review, I know you may
1: have said it, but
0: no. You did I think
1: out of your ass?
0: Did did I think that it was going to happen? No, but I tossed it out as a possibility based on the way that Shane ignored Sammy on SmackDown. What happens if Sammy comes out? And what happens if Sammy comes out and helps Kevin on Sunday? to drive home the point that Owens isn't to be taken lightly and neither is Sammy. Go back and listen to this week's SmackDown Live review with me and Liz Puglisi on on the W2M network.
1: The weird part about it is if you look at Sammy's reactions to what he had just done, this didn't feel like a Sami Zayn heel turn. This felt like, for the love of God, yes, we hate each other, but he's still been my friend for 20 years. I don't want this to happen to him. Because he still, you see it on his face to where he looks like he still can't believe he had just done what he had just done, which was, save one of his most bitter rivals. And I think it shocked everybody at Little Caesars Arena. I think it shocked most people on TV. I was shocked. And to me, it made the entire thing pay off. Which is why I'm okay with it being a 40-minute war and peace of a wrestling match. Possibly the longest of the year. Outside of the Rumble.
0: I mentioned the possibility on on Tuesday, but I didn't think it was actually going to happen. That being said, I am now infinitely more interested in what Sami Zayn is up to than at any point I had ever been when he had gone over to SmackDown. I'm just glad to see them finally doing something with Sami. And I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes on Tuesday. Like, what's the explanation that they give? What's the reasoning? Where's it going to go going forward? How's Daniel Bryan going to react to what happened?
1: Yeah, because it was was definitely a surprise. Uh, But that wraps up uh, the, I believe, ninth, WWE Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, and let's get right to it, time for the big finish, so best in the worst match of the show, I already know where this is going, so what is your worst match of the show?
0: Uh, My worst match of the show is Ginger Mahal and Shinsuke Nakamura, and that's a lot to do with the finish. For said match, and a lot to do with the ring work provided during said match as well. I thought that Natty and Charlotte was probably just as rough sitting through it in regards to the crowd reaction, but I feel like the ring work was a little bit better in uh, in, the, in the Charlotte and Natty match. They told a more cohesive story than they did during the course of Jinder versus Shinsuke.
1: You're not you're you're, you're okay. not
0: going to ask me. I figured once I stopped talking, you would take that as your clue that it was your turn. Hmm. Patrick, what was your least favorite match? The main event, no.
1: Um, Orton and Russo. <sighs> with credit to the WWE Championship match, but. I said you got a semi-motivated Randy Orton. That didn't mean a damn thing. <laughs> I think,
0: I think Orton put in enough effort for me to drag this kicking and screaming above Mahal and Nakamura.
1: I would disagree. Um, personally, I, I. Why did Orton win? Why don't he win? You know, it's like what he said, though. The fans love Rusev. And you continue to just crap on him.
0: Is it possible to be too over? Is that the problem for Rusev? Is he too over for his own good? Maybe. Well, hell, look at Cesaro. Cesaro, for the most part, is too over.
1: And now, he's probably going to be starring in Tooth Fairy 3.
0: Okay, first of all, his name is Safaro,
1: The swift cyborg?
0: Yes, swift cyborg. They're actually selling the shirt, people. It's ridiculous. All right, nope, getting back to the show tonight, though. Um, I think the problem is, is that Rusev is too popular for his own good. I don't think that enough people take him seriously for him to be a credible threat as the eel... And I don't think they want to turn him babyface because there's still a large portion of the crowd that does respond to his heel act. And unfortunately, it ends up leaving Rusev in purgatory and unable to do much of anything. Real quick,
1: I looked it up. According to wrestling data, which is pretty damn reliable, this is the third longest WWE match of the year. The longest at the Gimme Royal Rumble second-longest, technically, is the House of Horrors match. Just under 45 minutes from beginning to end. Anyway, um, it's just, when Orton doesn't give a damn, I thought he did kind of give a little bit of a damn tonight, but...
0: So you're saying he gave half a he gave half a damn. He gave a duh.
1: Yeah, and because of it we kind of barely got over a duh duh. Alrighty. Once again, I already know where you're going with this. What's the best match of this show?
0: <laughs> do you even
1: need to ask? Well, considering I disagree, yes, technically I do. Per law I do.
0: Okay, that just gave away where you're going with this.
1: No, it didn't.
0: Yes, it did, because you're going to go with the main event because of the twist finish, and then I'm going to go with the opener because of the fact that it was badass balls-to-the-wall action. You don't know that. Okay, Patrick, what was your best match?
1: I asked you first, asshole.
0: I already answered, asshole.
1: You didn't give any description as to why.
0: Yes, I did. I said the opener because it was balls-to-the-wall action from start to finish.
1: Joke's on you. Women's title match.
0: Okay, let's give an actual answer.
1: WWE title match.
0: He's Patrick Texa. I'm Harry Broadhurst. Thanks for listening.
1: Yes, yeah, the main event. Outside of the fact that the joke that I keep making about it is that it was wrestling versions of War and Peace. Seriously, 40 minutes. But,
0: and yes. I mean, 40 minutes, 600 pages. Take your pick.
1: No, no, no. I said War and Peace, not Bret Hart's book.
0: War uh, and Peace is like 600 pages, too.
1: I know. but And I know that there were also complaints about the fact that a suit was in the main event. I'm okay with that because this was not just any old feud. This was a blood feud. This was a feud that got very personal. The only way that it could have gotten worse is if Shane started mentioning K.O.'s kid. Probably would have actually gotten in trouble for that, but you know, be that as it may, I'm okay with it being the main event even over the SmackDown Tag Team Title match. Do I think the SmackDown Tag Team title match shouldn't have gone first? Hell no. The U.S. title match first. Switch the spots. But Shane and Kevin also, I thought, went balls to the wall. They just had a much bigger window to fill. You cannot go complete, nonstop, all the way forward, sixth gear for 40 minutes. Did the match have to be 40 minutes? No. You probably could have gotten everything done in a half hour. But there was still this need of, it needs, you know, this needs to have a finish, at least to this aspect of it. And to me, it did. But it still had a really big monkey wrench thrown in as to, why did Sammy save Kevin? You know, after everything that Kevin Owens has done to Sammy Zayn, why help him now? To me, yes. I know you, you made the crack about it, you know, just a couple minutes ago, but to me, the finish made everything worth it. Because all of a sudden it's like, wait, well, what the hell is going on? And this was one of the few, very few times that, To me, a very long match ended up paying off. I didn't think the Rollins-Ambrose ladder match that they had at Money in the Bank a couple years ago that went 35 minutes, I think, I didn't think it had that much of a payoff. If I'm not mistaken, Rollins won on a fluke. You know, a lot of these long matches...
0: Rollins won because it came.
1: Yeah. If you have these long matches, you need something at the end. And for me, this did not feel like Kevin Owens winning on a fluke. This felt like Kevin Owens winning because sometimes it still, sometimes you still have a guardian angel. This still feels different to me because this was not Sami Zayn doing something touche. This was Sami Zayn saving his friend which is why I think it kind of feels different to me than the ladder match that I I know at north of a half hour, you know, a couple of years ago. I'm okay with it. And I thought Shane and Kevin had one hell of a match. They had a long brawl on top of the cell that left those butterflies in your stomach of what the hell could happen. And it worked. So, yeah, for me, it is the man Length be damned.
0: Well, I will tell you this much: uh, according to the current WWE Facebook poll, sixty-one percent of the responders agree with you. Thumbs up. Twenty-four percent agree with me. The other fifteen percent are clearly on crack.
1: Um. All right. Before we get to the final score, I want to ask you one additional opinion
0: question. All right, well, we're almost an hour and 20 in already, so let's make this kind of snappy.
1: All right, but I'll ask, no mercy or hell in a cell, who won
0: this month? Well, technically, hell in a cell is facing tables, ladders, and chairs. Between the two, who
1: won? Well, yeah, it's also kind of hard to because SmackDown didn't have a September paper free.
0: Yeah, so not really fair, in my opinion, to compare the two of them. And I think a fairer comparison would be the stipulation pay per view that will be tables, letters, and chairs because Hell in a Cell is, in and of itself, a stipulated pay per view. So I, I decline to com- I decline to answer that question on grounds of inferable comparison. All right, fine. Fair enough?
1: No, but okay
0: we can revisit this conversation in in 2 weeks when WWE presents Tables, letters, and Chairs October oh, 22nd so all
1: right final score
0: 7 main uh after opening
1: somebody, after, after all the pitches you did
0: <laughs> opening match is worth three or four points in and of itself that might be my front runner for match of the year for the WWE it is that good.
1: Do you include NXT? Uh,
0: yes, actually.
1: Then to me, not even... Is it match of the year? It's not even tag team match of the year.
0: Which, which tag match are you going with?
1: NXT TakeOver Chicago's main event.
0: The latter match?
1: Hell, you could also include... I don't think... I don't think the ladder match was was that great. The finish was memorable, but I don't think the ladder match was that great. Also, I'd argue the triple threat in
0: Orlando. Okay, that was pretty good. But anyways, in my opinion, um, the Usos and the New Day put up a match of the year quality kind of match tonight. And it is a match that I highly recommend that if you haven't had a chance to watch the show and listen to the show and you're wondering if it's worth watching... If anything else, seek out the opener, and then I guess you can seek out the main event for the the arguably kind of, almost that kind of WTF booking aspect, you know? Like, why the hell did they do this? And it's something that they so rarely do these days that when they have moments like this, you get intrigued, and you wonder and you hope that they'll be able to deliver on the follow-up. Granted, not always the case, but perhaps this will be the big carryover angle to get us through these threaded fall months into the chase to Royal Rumble and obviously back onto the road to WrestleMania. Um, the matches themselves weren't necessarily bad. It's Charlotte and Natalia is around the two-star mark. Mahal and Nakamura is around the two-star mark. Orton and Rusev was around two-and-a-half stars. The triple threat I thought was really good, even though it had a dead crowd. As I said, the opener is fantastic. Rude and Ziggler is probably around the two-star mark. The main event I probably put around the three-star mark. So, it's worth, if you have four hours to spare, it's worth watching. He's not kidding. I mean, if you count the pre-show match and then the overrun on the main show, you're looking at about four hours to see everything. I'm going to go with a seven. How about you, Patrick? What do you give this show?
1: Oh, you ask me now?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um... Okay, fine, never mind. Don't, don't, don't let me ask you. I take that back. Ask yourself. Six and a half.
1: Six and a half for much the same reason, but I think while the matches weren't bad, you have two great matches. Thank God they were the theme of the pay-per-view. They were the entire point of the pay-per-view. Um, To me, both matches delivered. One of them, you know, being long, obviously, but whatever. I thought the triple threat was good for the most part. What's weird is I actually thought most of the time with Ty was actually better than most of the time with AJ, which is weird. Rusev and Orton, not terrible. Not bad, honestly. I, I didn't think it was that bad, but poo on your finish the women's title match was one of those that left you scratching your head. And at least in this case, it wasn't a finisher out of nowhere like we got twice last month. Yes, I said last month, not last pay-per-view, so shush. And Rude and Ziggler, meh. And I'm missing one. Oh, the WWE title match, meh. I would say it's six and a half, but go out of your way for the two feature matches at the very, very least. And if you want to go back and see where, you know, WrestleMania 40 main eventer Baron Corbin's career started, you'll be able to find it here with his first title win. But, yeah, I would say it's six and a half with about five of those points automatically coming from both elements of the style match.
0: All righty. Yeah, Definitely the two Hell in a Cell matches are your standout performances on this show, but I do think that the triple threat deserves some credit because despite the crowd not giving them much, in my opinion, I do feel it was pretty well worked by all three gentlemen. And I like Corbin more than most, so that might play a factor in my decision there as well. Plus, I definitely recommend everybody go scoop out Corbin's new theme song. It's pretty awesome.
1: Indeed. So that about wraps things up for us with Who Reacts to WWE Hell in a Cell. We will be back at our normal time slot next week. And basically, Revolution Pro UK will present 205Y. Um, there's actually, I went back and looked at the card. It is Rev Pro UK Angle versus. Sabre, Jr. That's the actual name of the show. Obviously, the main event being Kurt Angle versus the Technical Wizard and Persuade Classic competitor, Zach Sabre Jr. But there's actually quite a few well-known names on this card, including Noam Dar, and including Marty Squirrel, and Will Osprey, I believe. Um, so it will be our trip to the UK. And then two weeks from now, we'll be back very late Luckily for the last time in a five-week span, because WWE be damned, as we will be reacting to WWE TLC Tables, Ladders, and Chairs. Oh my! And real quick, di- before, we, before we get out of here, we are a presentation of the WWE. Oh, whoa,
0: whoa. Oh, not yet, not yet, not yet. I have some stuff to plug to. If you get to plug future shows, so do I. You can listen to myself and my new co-host, Liz Puglisi, on the SmackDown Live and 205 Live reviews this Tuesday night with the fallout from Hell in a Cell tonight. As Patrick mentioned, we'll be back here next Sunday. I'm also available for your football needs on Wednesday night with the kickoff here on the w 2 Network as well. Okay, now you can take us all. Real quick, did you almost
1: forget the name of the first show that you cover because it sounded like it Try that again Did you almost forget the first show that you cover because it sure as hell sounded like it
0: I still can't hear you I have a bad connection right now you're going to have to send me this in messenger
1: Okay So and as we mentioned we are a presentation of the W2M network for More information, including all previous episodes of Wrestling Unwrapped and Woo Reacts, along with all of the great information from the week in both football and college football, including the new Top 25 from W2MNet, be sure to check out W2MNet.com. Until next week and until two weeks from now, for Sean Garmer and for Harry Broadhurst, I'm Patrick Etta. Thank you very much for joining us as we reacts to WWE Hell in a Swell, 2017.
0: The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. 18 plus.